welcome back to episode 6, Mental Illness in It. If you haven't listened to part 1, go back and listen to that one. Otherwise, we have so much in store and we've got some good chats with Jess and Sarah from Learn My Lesson. Now, finally, we've made it to the beach. And for me, the beach is my safe place. And it's usually where I rekindle like my mental health and where I'm like, okay, where do I go from now? How do you rebuild? Yeah. That's well, a good question because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Huge advocate for therapy. Huge, whatever the opposite of an advocate is for our therapy system in New Zealand. Mm. It's not very accessible. Expensive um, as fuck. It's expensive mm. as fuck. If you are getting free therapy through services such as Evolve or Peaky, if you're in Wellington, um, those are the two that we know of. You know, you can still only get six sessions for free, which is great if you're in a period of crisis and something has happened that you need help working through. But personally, I would love to be going to therapy every single week just to talk through with someone the things that are on my mind or the things that I've created in my own mind because of my anxiety so that I'm not having to, not trauma dump, but like unload on those around me. I can instead talk to someone who's qualified to help me work through it, then know what I should be talking to my friends about be like okay so how, how can I talk to my friends about this in a productive way so that they're supporting me but they're not taking on my suffering so yeah huge advocate for therapy and, and honestly if you are in a period of distress going to therapy for those six weeks that you can get for free through Evolve or Peaky really great I, I can't recommend both of those services enough um, and then outside of that yeah I reach out to my support network so I've got some really close friends who I know again won't take on my suffering instead can just be there to support me through what I'm going through and same with my mum and my family so I think that's that's it. Oh, and if I need to, I just have a movie night with some snacks. That's such mm. a go-to for like a, a turning point. You know, when you've just, you've had enough, you're so sick of being in a bad place that, you know, you're just like, okay, I want to just try some things. I want to try and pull myself out of it. I'm like, okay, great. Get some snacks, have a movie night from tomorrow. I'm back into it. I'm going to give things a go. Like do those things, have a shower, tidy my room, the basic things. Mm. Start again. Yeah. How about you? Um... I think I'm still trying to figure this out because there's times where I need a bit of space and alone time to then kind of come out of my funk that I was in. Um, but then it's a really fine line between just taking my alone time and then isolating myself. And so it's just, yeah, so a lot of the time, like I'll need a couple of days to myself, but then I have to be really careful it's really easy because me and Jess are always together so I at least have her around I never can isolate myself too too much but yeah I think it's just knowing that I do really need my own space to recharge but it can't go on for too long otherwise I will just stay that way for for ages like the introvert that I am I think just touch on something important which is the inaccessibility of therapy I always found it I wanted to use the word flabbergasting within student health at the university there's like so little therapist or counselors available that they are exhausted in terms of like if you go now and try and book a therapy session that you'll probably have like a three to four week wait which is ridiculous and I always laugh because when I initially went to go so it's a free counseling service when I initially tried to sign up they were like we can book you in as soon as possible if you're suicidal and I was like what in the fucking world is this like spectrum of healthcare yeah because then you're just I mean, then it feels like, like well, I could be. Yeah, it's also almost like invalidating. It's like your come back when you're bad enough. Yes, yeah, yeah which and is like, what I always I hated the most. So if um anyone knows, I went through like really really bad mental health at the end of first year due to like family stuff, and I want like a lot of people were like you need you need to seek help, and I couldn't afford outside of student health, but going to them and you know having to justify why I needed mm. to be seen is so 
demeaning to yourself because I don't know. So I always talk about this with one of my closest friends is that there'll be days where I'm like, oh no, I'm not mentally ill. I've totally made this up in my head. I'm like, especially in the moments when I'm happy, like when I'm with these two, Nasipi and Talia, and I'm hanging out with my friends, I'm like, I can't possibly be mentally ill because look how happy I am. And then the next day I'll, I'll be like 3 p.m. and I'm still in bed. I'm like, oh, just, just kidding. This, yeah. Yeah. Here we are again. And I think, sorry, just to, just to add on to that point, um, here we are talking about like building yourself up, but it's important to realize that building yourself up doesn't mean it like has to be consistent because you're going to go through this cycle over and over again. Like this beach trip, it's going to happen over and over again. You're going to go through the down, like lows um, and the highs. And, and it's important to realize like nothing's linear. And just said like happiness is not consistent. Okay. And, and I think that media and television and movies have sold us this fucking stupid idea of the pursuit of happiness. And in terms of building yourself back up, I hate to plug. I don't mean to plug, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> we launched an ebook called Behind My Fine. And the whole reason that came about is because I basically, after a bad period with my mental health, the first thing that I do to try and regain control is try to restrict myself. And that's really common. Like you want to just gain control in areas of your life. And I sat down and like, it got to the point where I've written out all these checklists and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do 75 days of literally restricting and criticizing myself. And I was just sitting there and I was like, I don't want to do this. This doesn't look fun. Like this looks horrible. And I fully revamped it instead. So the checklist I instead put on everything that I should be doing every single day. I'm not forcing myself to do it. These are the things that I should be doing every single day. Really basic things. Like it's not crazy stuff where you're restricting yourself. It's more like things I need to add into my days to make sure I'm giving myself the best chance at staying mentally healthy. And I've been doing that now in the past three weeks. And oh my God, I've had days where I haven't done these things, even though the basic requirements to, to being like living a relatively healthy life. But none of us, we're all only human. But overall, it has been incredible because it's not only forced me to do these things that are good for me, it has forced me to see written on paper how many things I do for myself. And it's been life-changing. So 10 out of 10 do recommend it. Yeah, I feel like it really changes your perspective as well from from doing this challenge to change like physical aspects whereas the behind my fine 30 day challenge is very much like at the end of the 30 days the goal is to feel better and yeah. feel more in control and yeah yeah but also it's it's if you're really really healthy mentally and physically probably not for you like it is for when you're really in those places yeah. where you're just like I need an extra boost to do those basic things people like, that don't struggle with their mental health will probably look at what's yeah. um, on that checklist that you're supposed to do every day and be like people do this yeah, like they'll, every they'll day. be like seriously <laughs> is this, yeah, yeah, yeah but we're like no about yeah exactly and like looking at the things on it I was like shit I don't think there was a single week last year that I did all of those things every yeah. day and it's insane to me now that I'm finally like taking the time to be like oh wait yes go drink another liter of water like you're supposed to have eight cups a day it is a basic requirement of trying to like keep your body functioning get your eight glasses in it's been a struggle <laughs> I just wanted to go back to the where you feel like you're like oh no I'm not mentally ill I yeah. we recorded an episode a oh couple of days ago and I literally was we were talking about antidepressants and how I've been on them for like a year now and I was like I still find it so weird to say like I have depression like I find it really uncomfy because I'm like no I don't like I'm, I'm not that bad like it's I'm like some other people have it worse like I'm not depressed enough to like I'm like oh it's fine like I'm fine I'm just being dramatic like when I think about it I actually like get really really uncomfy and which is so interesting because like last year <laughs> this woman had like a solid like Fran was there producer Fran saw it through the whole thing there was like six weeks where she was so vacant like her depression was at its all-time worst and it 
it was just like talking to someone I didn't even know. It was a completely different person. And then she got on her medication and started doing all these things to help herself recover, got into therapy. And she got to this place where she started being like, yeah, but do I, do I really have depression or like, am I being dramatic? And I was like, oh my God, no, woman. Yeah. But I think that's like a big, um, and big part due to the way mental health was talked about as I was growing up, you know, yeah. I only ever heard about clinical um, anxiety and depression at the very like extreme end of the spectrum. These people were so you know inflicted by these things and to me I'm like well I can function kind of sometimes maybe not every day but most <laughs> days and like, I don't know yeah I think growing up with that view of mental health definitely didn't help accept my own <laughs> struggles I'm Fran um Producer Fran. I don't want I, I it's, it's weird like I don't want to introduce myself every time but then most people are like we know this. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was having a chat with my flatmate last night about mental illness and everything. And I think it's a very strange thing. And it's a thing that is so, I don't know, I guess abundant in our generation is having high functioning yeah. depression or anxiety, you know? And because, like, right now, I'm. And, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not going through the best time with my mental health, but I'm still doing everything. And it's, you know, especially I think I remember when I was younger, not realizing that I dealt with mental illness because someone, I don't know, would have said like, oh, but no, you can go to class. Like, I think I think I remember actually a doctor saying to me when I was talking to a doctor ages ago in high school about my mental health. And she was like, no, but someone who has depression wouldn't get excellences and I was yeah. like okay yeah. <laughs> no well yeah because high functioning depression and high functioning anxiety is so real and so many people can relate and often for a lot of people especially with anxiety it actually pushes you to be doing more because you're so panicked that you're just operating at this like faster speed and yes you'll burn out but for a long time it makes you look really productive and really yeah. great from the outside yeah well the thing is like for example the three of us last year you know um, we all saw each other through messy mental health moments we were still all doing stuff you know yeah. we were still getting those episodes out every week, every week. I don't think we had a, a break, break no. ever which you know and we were all having like messy moods at times oh my God. <laughs> I guess on on the idea of how we treat mental illness compared to like physical injuries I always like am confused about how different they are in like a medical sense but like they affect you because you're I don't know about you guys but my mental health will a lot of the time affect my physical health I'll feel really sick or like I get cold sores when I'm really stressed and yeah so that's like a big thing and having to be in these spaces so like university and asking for like extensions or anything like that it's really difficult because you can't justify it the same way as being like so for example I'll give this for a month um, maybe last month, I think it was. Yeah, last month, I was struggling really, really, really badly with my mental health. I didn't get out of bed. And a month away from uni, if anyone knows, that is a fuck ton of time. And like you miss out on so much, but you're still having to push out these essays. And what I thought was funny was my boyfriend also broke his scapula, but his ability to like write an email and be like, yeah. I broke my scapula was so easy. Whereas if I had to write an email and be like, oh, I'm stressed and I haven't been out of bed, my lecturers wouldn't be able to conceptualize it in the same way. And I also, so I also have something called psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, which are essentially stress-induced seizures. But the thing with these is that when I have them, most of the time, it doesn't require like medical intervention. Like I don't need to go to a doctor or a hospital, so I don't have a medical certificate. But after I have one for the next two, three days, I feel like I ran a marathon. So I can't, I'm so exhausted because my body's just bloody had seizure. 
and having to explain that to my workplace or my like school has always been so difficult and it's so and it's so crazy to me and on that note medical health insurance doesn't cover mental health stuff mm, yeah. so because even though I have seizures that are physical and I could have like hurt myself physically because they are stem from my anxiety disorder they wasn't covered by insurance and I always thought that's, that's so odd to yeah, me it's frustrating it's it's so annoying how you know physical and mental health are so different on paper but they're not I was trying to talk to my my flatmates and I have come to the conclusion that after we got jobs last year our mental health has just all gone down because you know we have these like quite especially me and my flatmate Joanna we have hospital jobs so it's very like four days a week and sh- it's just really shit um, not the workplace just the workload and then she was saying to me that she, she was just so overwhelmed and then and all of a sudden she had to like ask for extensions and I was like just you need to call in sick to work like they can't keep doing this to you you're also replaceable like jo- um, Yelena said before you are replaceable in that place you owe them nothing and you shouldn't feel guilt for putting your mental health first and it's I've never done that before like I've never called in sick for mental health because again there's this guilt that it's not a it's not a real reason yeah. to take time for yourself and that's just so warped and even like workplace might say that they understand that but a lot of the time they don't not with mine they wouldn't get it they would they would guilt trip you it's awful setting boundaries for yourself I feel is really really hard a hard thing to do I had the same thing kind of when I went to leave my job is I I kept having the same thought of like I can't do this for much longer while I was at that workplace and there was one point where I was like well I can. I've been here for months longer than I was supposed to be. And I would have just stayed there. And so it got to the point where I had to just be like, right, that's enough. I'm quitting at this date, whether or not I found another job. And honestly, best thing I did, like I know I'm financially stressed, but I just had to get to that point and make that decision and set that boundary for myself because I could have kept, I could have stayed there. I would have been miserable and probably struggling a lot with my mental health right now, but I, I could have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Like, Sav, you've touched on because I also just left my job and everybody was like, oh, you were doing fine. I'm like, I know I was doing fine. I was not doing fine. <laughs> and uh, it was one you conversation do- with my mom who was like, if you drop dead tomorrow because of how stressed you are, they're going to find a new manager. Like, within a week, they're going to hire somebody new. And I don't know why I thought I was fucking irreplaceable, <laughs> but, like, I knew I was good at my job. Like, I'm sure that. I knew I was good at my job, but they they can find new people and they yeah. can train new people. So this whole, like, thing of you don't owe anyone anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with, like, with, like, uni. There's no shame. I know people that have taken, like, trimesters off or have redone papers because they weren't in the right state to do it. And there's no shame in doing that as well. I think because I... Like I have had to extend my degree another year and I was so like ashamed, but I was like, for what, for what? Like we're all, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to finish. So yeah. And life happens at your own pace. Like you're Mm -hmm. on your own timeline. And if you just, if you take breaks or if you start over, like it's just going to make the the journey that much more enjoyable. And I'm such a, like, it's about the journey, not the destination. Mm. Like who knows where we're going to go? Like, fuck me. (laughs) But you know, what a ride. Can't drive. (laughs) I can drive. Um, Also, I just want to come back to what you were saying before about when you've gone to student health. Um, First of all, thank you for being so vulnerable. Like I think that we kind of veered off topic, but it actually is really important for people to be talking about stuff like that. And 
Sarah Saunders, one of her favorite quotes, she was a host of The Overshare, is a really great podcast that existed last year. But her favorite quote that she always said, I always feel bad saying it without like acknowledging that she is <laughs> where I've got it from 100% is vulnerability is the cornerstone of confidence. It was like a quote that she always said. And I'm so obsessed because it's it's true. It's like the more vulnerable we can be, actually, the more confident you become in your own story and in sharing that with other people. But what you said about student health, it, that is so important because I tried going to student health down at Otago for therapy and the therapist was terrible. Mm. Oh my goodness. You so bad. So, so bad. bad. So bad. Because I ended up getting a, a therapy appointment. And so just to put it out there, like, I've told a lot of people and it's like common ground, like my, at the end of first year, my father attempted suicide. Um, he's fine now and he ha- he has like got diagnosed with depression, but I was having to, you know, understand that. And when I went to the counseling session, like I told her, I was like, yeah, my dad like tried to kill himself twice. And she like handed me a box of tissues and was like, are you, are you exercising? And I'm like, bitch, I just, what? Fucking, I was like, bitch, can we, let's unpack what I just said for one second. And I was, she was like, she was like, um, I, she's like actually and then I told her I was like oh can we like if we schedule another time I can't do the same time and she was like oh well I can't do it so are you okay talking to like a male cancer and I was like no actually I'm not I'm never coming back yeah, never did like, wait that's enough of that yeah, I was no, like, and- that was nice I'm a leave <laughs> fire and I'm really sorry that happened because that is horrible and like as I touched on like I had a very similar experience where it was just the lack of empathy in the room kind of thing like being able to like I understand that sometimes you have to go through multiple therapists to find a good one but often people start seeking therapy when they're in a really horrible place and you don't really have the capacity to try out multiple like you know try before you buy like you yeah. don't have the time or the energy or the emotional capacity to go through these different people or the money yeah so for a lot of people therapy isn't accessible like it does cost a lot of money um, depending on the situation and geographical location and that is so hard to fathom like I went to the doctor last year about my mental health and my big thing was I really wanted to go to therapy more and I was talking to him about whether or not they could subsidize that at all if there was any service and he prescribed me medication and I was like I, I don't want like I don't want that I want to try talking to someone but because they can't subsidize it. Like for them, prescribing meds is the easiest thing to do a lot of the time. And I'm like, the societal like cost benefit analysis, like it's actually the like it's going to be so much more beneficial to start making therapy more accessible and then get more people off medication for it. And mm-hmm. isn't that so? Yeah, therapy system. We have a lot of opinions. We don't have a lot of time I today, read, though. I read. Uh, earlier today, I think it was actually that only 5% of the cases for the ACC therapy or oh, yeah, sexual, like sexual, violence, related sexual violence related therapy, only 5% of cases are actually getting um, booked in with therapists. Like, there's something like 95% because they have to prove that it's impacting their mental health. I actually, yeah, yeah. I was like, on that note, I have a um a friend of a friend who was under the ACC, and her therapist kept like seeing her for other things that weren't related to her sexual assault, but was writing it down as Mm. being affected only because that was the only way she could afford to come back. And like, thank God for therapists like that. Like, yeah, Mm. come on, like because they understand that it's not viable, especially for students. Like, the last thing at the bottom of our list is going to be paying for therapy. And on that note, like, therapy isn't the only like area of mental like health because like for for Maori or Pacific like health is very different like, mental health is very different it's more holistic and I think that's important to note as well so for me as a Pacifica woman I couldn't find myself in the like very western idea of like yeah. therapy because I was like this is not how I handle things like the way that we help 
each other is by talking as a group, like talking as like a, as like a family unit. So it was odd to me to deal with my issues individually. Mm -hmm. And on that note, going back to about mental health being present in our physical health, I went and I... Wow, I forgot that that was where we started. Yes. Um, Conversation. Yes. So on that note as well... It can, um, so our bodies remember trauma. And I went to an osteotherapist over the summer and he was like, yeah, your whole back is fucked because you tense when you're stressed and your whole body remembers that. And it's a coping mechanism and your whole body is stressed and therefore it tenses and it, it affects like your whole like system. So it's not just a matter of going to therapy. You need to do like mm-hmm. exercising. You need to go to like um, osteo and all of it adds up. So it's fucking expensive, but mental well-being is a priority. Yeah, that's how I felt about also about Western kind of medical practices. Mm. I struggled to find myself in that. And that last year when I was going through a really low low, I found myself working on my pelvic floor quite a bit. (laughs) And I was working on my hip spirals and rotation as a way to kind of ground myself. And I'd be in my room like spiraling and like going down (laughs) with my hips, but I'd be like sobbing because of all the tension held. And I remember going to my first hot yoga session. It was a back work like session. And I cried for 19 minutes straight. Like I just didn't stop crying yeah, really because is. it's just, it's all in here. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think therapy also, it's not the only option. Like I was talking to someone yeah. who was doing art therapy. Um, also, girls, thank you for that corridor around therapy and how um, it is very westernized. And like we yeah. try to maintain awareness of that, but, you know, we do lose sight of it a lot. And as two Pākehā women, like we don't always maintain a balanced perspective on how it's not only not accessible for everyone, there are minorities that are significantly disadvantaged by our therapy system. And even when they can get into it, it's not accommodating to them or their beliefs at all. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard because it's not on the therapist as well. Like, I don't want anyone listening to think that we're being like, therapy's bad and therapists suck. Like, it's a whole societal issue. It's a systemic problem Mm -hmm. from the roots of it. And there are just so many changes that need to happen. But, God, it's kind of hit me in the feels, like, Mm -hmm. how how bad it is, you know, for so many people and and particularly – minority groups are affected even even worse by our like lack of support I guess yeah I th- also a big advocate for therapy not that I've ever been but um <laughs> no sad for so long um that's okay but I think there's something to say about the fact that like for Maori and Pacifica and a lot of other indigenous and other cultures it's a it's a feeling of if you go to you're the one person but in these cultures you are finding solace in a group yeah and in a in a whanau and in a, in a belonging and a and that's like a huge cultural thing. I'll also say um, my entire family are definitely advocators for the I'm fine approach. Mm-hmm. And I think that really speaks to this um, mostly. I mean, it's a very masculine way of thinking. And um, one of my very close family members currently, I mean, I don't think that he's going through a very good time. But it's been taught to him that like, as a strong big man and as also a strong brown man that he should just get over himself mm. and that's that's and it's also hard to get to approach the idea of therapy for pe- like for that kind yeah. of a mindset because mm. it's like you are putting making yourself vulnerable and that's yeah. that's a very particular point of view and then yeah. in but saying yeah. that often support is more found in group settings do like 
do those exist in, in our New Zealand society, like those opportunities to have that support? Because I um, used to visit Tonga quite a lot when I was younger. Um, and whenever we were there, it was such a strong feeling of community and everyone was so supportive of each other. And those group settings were such a huge thing. But in New Zealand, I feel like, well, and obviously I can't speak to this, but do you feel like that still exists to the same extent? Well, so for me, um, not from personal experience, but seeing my father. So when my father attempted the second time, they admitted him to like under the Mental Health Care Act Mm -hmm. to like a mental health unit. And seeing him like hang out with other men going through shit, it made it really empowering for him because it made him feel like, I'm not the only man because it dismantled the idea of this strong man thing, which I love Sir John Kerwin because he does the depression org ads. Mm-hmm. And that for me is like, this is this rugby man, like all mm-hmm. in all black suffering through mental illness. And I love like, I, not to like praise men ever because I, <laughs> you know, the bare minimum, but like my, and my, my favorite thing, I don't know which, who it was. I think it was Channing Tatum, who was on his Instagram and he was like, everyone should go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, can we more openly talk about these mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and normalize it amongst men and destigmatize this mm-hmm. idea that they need to, you know, um, adhere to societal things of them not having feelings. Yeah. So that's been, yeah, a big thing. Okay. I, I think I'd like men a lot more if they were going to therapy. Oh, yes. Talk about your feelings, baby. Like. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just wanted to say, I feel like the older you get, the more you're just looking for a sense of community. Yeah. And... And you're always looking for that in – it just gets harder because everyone's got busy lives and Mm. they've got kids and they're doing all these different things. But you're always looking for a sense of community. It's yeah, good yeah, and and it's such an important point you've brought up about the fact that actually talking one on one to people doesn't feel natural or doesn't feel right to a lot of people, but having that sense of community does, and that can exist in so many ways though. So a lot of people would consider even through finding podcasts like yours where they can listen and they they suddenly feel like they have other people that they can relate to, and that to them is a sense of community. Like it feels like they're 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 not alone. It all comes down to that whole feeling of actually like. I'm okay. I just want to say something, you know, working as a producer for the past 50 years. Um, no, but, you know, for the, for however long. Something I am realizing and, well, have realized and, you know, am feeling even just now is I think a lot of the time what got me through is actually producing and listening to people having these conversations because weirdly enough I don't actually listen to podcasts like I will try <laughs> like you know but I don't listen to them as much as I would like to but like you know working with everyone and listening to them talk about these things and like for the most part you know the people I'm working with talking about like vulnerable things I feel I kind of like I it makes me think about myself and think about what I'm feeling in a more kind of I guess retrospective way and actually I I said it once I said it when we were closing off the Overshares podcast like it's like a form of therapy for me Mm -hmm. and it really it really helps me like I was having a shit day today I feel a lot better just listening to you guys talk so you know like even like I think I had said like editing episodes as well you're hearing these things these like little bits of people talking about their experience and you know how stuff has affected them and what they've learned from it and stuff and just hearing that over and over again because you know I have to like go back and cut things and whatever it's just it's just it's just good just okay my I don't my takeaway from this is 
yeah, listen to podcasts if you're sad because you feel like you're around people yeah. and you can apply stuff to your own life and it's just it's just good. It's just good. Sorry. And I, on that front, can I say one of our biggest goals is creating a sense of community. Like we want you guys to feel safe. I want you to feel hot and sexy and dangerous because you are. I'm scared. Who was scared? Hot and dangerous. Hot and dangerous. Who was scared? I was scared. Were you scared? Um. So please never hesitate to like – bloody send us a dm yeah um, i was just gonna say back on that point firstly love doing the podcast because it's very healing and i've said this many times when i go home and tell my flatmates about it i'll be like that was a really healing talk Mm -hmm. but um again with that sense of community i think this is why we love having people that's not just us like people our guests it's amazing and for anyone listening if you have any ideas like I feel like it'd be really nice to break that wall of we are hosts and you are a listener but instead you know like you can come into the space and share as well and that's just my little tidbit so yeah it's lovely I think I hope everyone's enjoyed their trip to the beach. Beach. <laughs> so just to wrap it up, what are like your main takeaways for you guys? I I just think I should go to therapy, and I also think <laughs> I I think I should stop vaping. Yeah, amazing. I think I really need to educate myself more on indigenous practices outside of my own surrounding kind of health wealth. And well-being, mm-hmm. I feel as though I'm angry. <laughs> I'm just, you guys, the apartheid was only 27 years ago and I'm not over it. So yeah. I've just been dealing with that. Intergenerational trauma. Fuck, man. It's a thing. It's a big thing. Um, for me, because I'll let Jess and Sarah finish off our amazing guests, which has been a pleasure having you, by the way. Um, but for me, one thing is... Um, I'm an avid TikTok watcher and part of that is I always have these people that like journal every day and their life seems so beautiful and they're like well today I wake up and I, I drink my matcha tea and it's like what the fuck I wake up and I'm like what's what I'm eating today oh this bread has mold on it fuck no bread today like kind of thing <laughs> cut out the mold cut out the mold make myself like coffee that's shit whatever um so I think my main thing is social media is everyone's putting on a show like it's everyone's highlights and and it's really nice to be vulnerable sometimes so um I think I want to be a bit more real I think I'm challenging myself to be because I am a another victim what's the thing like a perpetrator as well of this whole like I always laugh because I looked at my Instagram the other day and I was looking at pictures that I uploaded when I was so bad mentally like I was in the rut but here I was uploading and being like love the girls XO like what the fuck Elena you were not okay and you pretended that you were and I think that we need to start holding ourselves to account yeah I really like that I think that's an important one mine would probably be around social media as well just I think I need to manage the content that I'm consuming a bit more. I think I found it really easy with Instagram, but you brought up TikTok and I definitely get trapped on there a lot. And there's a lot that's not great for my mental health on there. Just press, I keep forgetting you can do this until I saw Nisipi doing it. Uh, Down the bottom, not interested. interested. As you, instead of clicking like, be like, actually, uh, do I like that? No, not interested. And then it just will, the algorithm will take all of those things out. Love it. That's a good tidbit. Goodbye, Fitzbo.
Yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's lots of great stuff and entertaining stuff on TikTok, don't get me wrong, but there's definitely a lot that does not help my mental health whatsoever. I liked a K-pop video once and oh, it was no. my entire feed for the next two days. I was like... <laughs> It's so weird though. It's kind of freaky how that happens. To wrap it up, I think like my biggest takeaway from this episode is it's something that gets me every single time. Like we've recorded a lot of episodes with a lot of different people and met and talked to a lot of people. And because of the nature of what we do, people feel comfortable being vulnerable with us. And so they often share um, a lot about their own stories. And literally the fact that it's still got me here and now is just it shows I don't know if I'll ever get over it but like coming into the situation you know we're in a room full of beautiful women and you all seem so confident and the thing is if I had seen you just walking around uni like if I'd been at uni it's crazy that you often don't ever stop to think twice about the fact that someone can be going through something because someone appears confident on the outside or strong on the outside and then to hear you all get so vulnerable about what you have been through in your life and to share um, even just some details of that and obviously we've not had time we I don't think we could have time to go into like the deep dark details of all of our stories but it honestly it just it gets me every single time having that connection be made where it's like oh wait you know every single person actually has been through their own shit and their own dark days and so many people can relate to struggling with their mental health but we so often feel alone in it and I think it's going to take a really long time as a society and a lot of these conversations for people to finally start making that connection and kind of having it replace those deeply ingrained thought processes around it but yeah it's it's in a weird way like refreshing like even though it's quite heavy conversation it's really important and I'm just yeah grateful to have been here being a part of it so thank you guys for having us thanks for being here guys it's been a real nice one eh? (laughs) this has been a wonderful chat thank you so much I am gonna go look up um what was it called behind my behind my fine yeah yeah, that was really cool when you're talking about it but thank you so much can we get some cheeky plugs before we sign off for let my listen podcast it is available on spotify and apple podcasts and our instagram is at let my lesson underscore behind my fine we've made a new instagram for it because we're hoping to do more but currently it's a 30-day challenge and so it has its own instagram and it's at behind my fine or you can go to learnmylesson.com or .co.nz to find out more about that and then i will plug myself as well just while i'm here i also have a solo podcast called well that was podcast available on spotify and apple podcasts the instagram as well that was podcast i talk all about sex and relationships is basically what it is yeah I feel like this is like a surprise to everyone in the room but basically I talk about um the importance of self-pleasure and sex positivity and safe for sex Mm. and all that good shit as well so yeah well sorry I saw a TikTok the other day that was like masturbation is meditation it's changed my life (laughs) I feel sad I masturbate masturbation I can't get to sleep I masturbate (laughs) oh my god on that note what does everyone say I say masturbate but she says masturbate masturbate oh my god it's just me you're a master you're weird you're a gangster you're a master and I record I record wait you say masturbate Okay, good. I'm not fully alone. Gangsta. I, I am so <laughs> Amazing. What a good way to end. So, Everyone okay. masturbate. Well, I have a good way to end the podcast. Ciao. Hey, guys. See you later. Let's go to the beach. <laughs> oh, my God. Beach, let's go get away. They <laughs> say what they're going to say. Have a drink. Queen found the Bud Light. Bad bitches like me. It's <laughs> hot.